2: Hello and welcome to another episode of the T.O.T. Cast. My name is uh, Ryan Greco and I'm being joined by the wonderfully talented Chris O'Kranitz. Chris, it's uh, it's actually been a while since the last time we were able to uh, put together an episode, so it's good to be back.
3: It is good to be back, Ryan. You know, it's always nice to see your pretty face. So, especially in person, you get a report like this. I enjoy it.
2: <laughs> always, always. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, we just had a chance to finish watching the uh, NBA Finals Game uh, game 5 there. Cleveland showing some life. That was... a. Uh,
3: I mean, what a performance. You get LeBron, you get Kyrie, 40 apiece, first teammates to do it. They kind of put the team on their back tonight and just said, you know what, we want to go back to Cleveland. I mean, going back to Cleveland is never fun. <laughs> but in this instance,
2: it is fun. So. Yes, Toronto fans know that good well. <laughs> of yeah. course. And, you know, it, it is true, actually, that there was something that was proven tonight uh, that it
3: doesn't matter if Kevin Love is on the floor or not, does it? <sighs> Let's not even get into Kevin Love. I mean... Two points, 35 minutes. You know, he's, he's a total game changer for the Cavs and what they do. Um, what, what his cow- ability to stretch the floor, play the perimeter, you know, get in the post there, get rebounds. Um, all the things that we're told are going to come with Kevin Love that we don't really see too often. Maybe it's a head injury. I'm not going to get into Kevin Love even more than I probably already have here. But it's he's just not a fit for this team, and it's became visibly more apparent with each game he plays in the postseason. So, well said. He's definitely not that sixty-point swing that a uh, a lot of pundits and fans alike were uh, claiming. <laughs> yeah, a lot of fantasy basketball players. You know that twenty-twenty guy. Uh, he probably runs really well in two K. His three <laughs> is probably pretty decent in two K as well. But oh, you know, at, with... out here it just doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't fit what the Cavs' do. Now nope. it's it's unfortunate because he's he's a good player still. But unless you run the offense through him, which the Cavs can't do with two ball-centric players in Kyrie and LeBron, they both need the ball in their hands to be creative and it just doesn't work love style with the way that Kyrie and LeBron play.
2: That's very true Chris and uh but you know someone who does play very well with Kyrie and LeBron is uh Tristan Thompson. And uh he had a uh he had a, a very admirable night as always. One of those guys that just grinds it out. Uh he's really found himself a place on this team, especially when a lot of people were wondering if he was going to be able to uh rise to the occasion as he did when LeBron first came here. Uh and of course him being a Brampton Ontario native, it's always fun to see a a Toronto a uh, sports uh, figure, do as well as he did. Um, I mean, your thoughts on that performance? Uh, he's kind he of been
3: a difference maker for them in games four and five here. You look at how much how much more he's playing and how active he is down low for them. It's He's not your prototypical big man in terms of size and, you know, is the way he plays in the post, but he's very effective in a series like this where small ball reigns supreme. Tonight, 42 minutes, 15 boards. That's super efficient for what the Cavs do. I know LeBron cleaned up and led with 16 rebounds, but... 15 rebounds from Tristan Thompson is nothing to sneeze at. I mean, the way he's able to run up and on the floor and just kind of adapt to this small ball style of play, it's it's very valuable. and It's something that I think is going to be, is going to help him in terms of his longevity and his career where the NBA is shifting towards this and he's going to be able to make a career out of it.
2: Absolutely. And I think uh, one thing that you never see on the stat sheet with Tristan Thompson is anyone who has to guard him or anyone who's matched up with him is in for a long night. Yeah, he makes you work. Yeah. Like it's, and without even being said, I mean, LeBron, yeah, he was able to pick up 16 boards, but you could have seen in a number of times we saw it during this game where a lot of LeBron being even able, capable of, of bringing in those, those rebounds, Tristan Thompson was battling under the basket, giving him that space that he needed to get those boards. I mean, he, like I said, like just things that you don't necessarily see on the stat sheet. Tristan Thompson brings to the table, which is all the same reason why it's going to be very disappointing in all likelihood that he's not going to be a part Of the Canadian Olympic team, well, the Canadian team (laughs) qualifying for the Olympics this summer, unfortunately, (laughs) and um, it it is a little bit disheartening, I think, for any Canadian basketball fans out there, when they saw the list of potential players missing Andrew Wiggins, missing Tristan Thompson. That list got released, of of course, uh, over the weekend earlier, Um, and not even seeing Kelly Olenek in there. Um, uh, There was only actually there was only two. NBA players that is on this list trying to make this last-ditch shot at qualifying for the Rio 2016 Olympics. I mean...
3: it It is a bit disappointing, but I did read somewhere that they felt like they gave it their best chance last year. It didn't work out, and they both... Well, not they both. A lot of the players wanted to move on and just kind of rest of it because they feel that they've played a lot of basketball and to play another summer of basketball on top of the fall and NBA season would have been a lot. So I do kind of understand that part, but at the same time, it is kind of disappointing. I mean, to what you're saying, how many times has Canada done anything on the Olympic level or even the international level for basketball? Not often. This was a chance for them to actually make a splash.
4: You Yeah.
2: No, not at all. And I mean, it's been 16 years since this team has even made it to the Olympics. Uh, it was a team that was led when Steve Nash wasn't even really the Steve Nash everyone came to know later on in his career. He was still a relatively young guy. He'd only been in the league for about four seasons at that point. So that gives you an idea of how long it's been since Canada was in the Olympics.
3: Well, he was on Much Music doing those little cameos, right, dribbling the ball around, all that. So I mean, that tells you how long ago it
2: was. (laughs) Back when he would still probably be watching Much
3: Music. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) man, that's crazy to think about that alone. Actually, how much that station's changed. (laughs) No, definitely, definitely. I mean, and you know, it's it
2: it was it's it's. It's disheartening to see that but uh i mean the people that were that are there for this roster they're they're confident and uh i actually i had the uh the opportunity to go to the uh, the practice today after uh you know do a little bit of uh media scrums got a chance to uh, talk to uh, some of the players and uh, of course head coach jay triano and uh i mean always always a fun experience this isn't the first time I've done this obviously like and it was followed the site has seen these kind of reports before. But this season and getting this kind of access, I'm actually really excited, especially for this episode today, because we had the uh, we have the pleasure of actually having a uh, having a sit down conversation with Corey Joseph after practice. So I'm really excited about that. We'll be playing that in a couple of minutes. But first, I want to give you guys a little bit of a a background of, uh, of Corey Joseph and his involvement in this team, because ever since Corey Joseph has been in the NBA, he has been a part of the Canadian national team his consistency has probably been one of the most notable ones for this team ever since him joining uh, the league and I think it's something to be commended and uh, I actually just want to show you a quick clip of uh, of uh, coach Triano Jay Triano the head coach of the Canadian men's uh, national team uh, speaking about uh, Corey's commitment in that
4: well I mean it's it's it's, it's who he is I mean he that's... He loves playing basketball, and, he, and I think you know he talks a little bit about his experience with San Antonio and listening to uh, Manu talk about winning the Olympics and uh, Tony Parker winning the European Championships, and um, that's something that resonates with him. And he wants to, he wants to be that guy in the locker room talking about how great it is to play for his country. So he answers the bell every single time.
2: So yeah, that that was uh, head coach uh, Jay Triana there speaking on Corey Joseph, and you know it's kind of interesting to think that. A guy who now is playing for the Toronto Raptors and now is consistently showing that level of commitment um, as an NBA player still wanting to play for the Canadian national team when so many guys before him and even guys after him at this point have shown that they're more, you don't want to say allegiance, I think that that's not the right term. I think the right term is just they feel like because of what they're in right now and because of the situation around them in their professional career, there's just too much to lose to try and make that final push for the Olympics right now. Like, it just, you always get this sense, and I think you can agree with me, Chris, when I say this, that you get this sense that this team has always been truly gearing up for the 2020s Olympics. It's never really always been about the 2016 Rio. It was always a, well, if we make it, that's great, but, you know, we're not going to all shoot ourselves in the foot and try and rewrite the script. If we don't make the real Olympics.
3: I feel like that's more than fair. And kind of an underlying question that I feel like is talked about a lot with the, this Olympics upcoming is the Zika virus. Yes. You think that's got an effect on some of these guys not wanting to go or not wanting to play? I mean, Team USA is missing a lot of players too. A lot of athletes in general are citing, you know, issues such as long seasons. I'm tired. I need rest. Yeah. You think the Zika virus is actually something though that's a little bigger of the storyline?
2: It's, it's interesting that you bring that up because I can imagine it definitely is. But it looks a lot worse if you're saying that as a Canadian or even as an Argentinian or as any kind of team, any kind of player from any country besides the USA. Because the USA, I feel like – the USA, they've got the – they could put out their C team and still probably win this whole thing.
3: Well, not many athletes period have came out and said, yet, I'm not going to the Olympics because I'm concerned about the Zika virus or for the swimmers, the water. mm -hmm. A lot of issues are going on in Brazil and none of the athletes have came out yet or at least a prominent one has came out and said, I'm not going because of this. So I don't think – th- I think you don't want to be that first guy, you know? Yeah, yeah. Like you don't want to be the guy who comes out and says, I'm not going because I'm worried about the Zika virus or health issues and stuff like that. You just – you don't want to be that first guy. So I think that might have a factor behind it too. But it's just something that I think is playing a lot more into the decision-making of these players than just the I'm tired.
2: Mm-hmm. And so, so what would you think then like if this was any other – like say the Olympics were being held in Toronto. Well, they'd all play. Actually, no, that's a bad example. You're right. I think anywhere in North America they'd all play what about Europe yeah Europe yeah. or Asia if it went back to Beijing for example if this if this team was the team if they, let's say let's rewind the clock ten years okay or eight years and we're about to go into the two thousand eight summer and we had all the guys we have right now, do you think they would all
3: show up? I don't think they'd all show up, but I feel like you'd get a better turnout i just I just feel like it would mean a little bit more and it, it's kind of hard to explain that part because you're going to think well, it's the Olympics. Mm-hmm. It should mean what it means already. I mean it's it's this legendary mythical sporting event that you only get once every four years and when you get it, you know, you should go. It's considered like the gold standard of amateur sports and to a certain extent it's not even about amateur sports anymore. It's about, you know, the bottom line like all sports is. Absolutely. But it's still the Olympics. It's got that prestige to it where you should want to go. Mm-hmm. I just – I man, that's a tough question. Would, I, I think we get a couple more players but not a lot.
2: Mm-hmm. And I mean, uh, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there, but oh, um, um, I mean, do you think also it might even play into the factor of? I'll just I'll just go right ahead and say, it. do you think some of these guys don't think it's worth their time when they see the kind of when they see the USA and how stacked they are?
3: Not really. I think it's really what you're what you said earlier about Team Canada being a developmental state. Still, they don't view this as a, a four year plan, a six year plan, eight year plan. I, I feel like they view this as a long-term plan in terms of a a 10- to 20-year plan of building this program up into something where they finally get the players to come in. This is really, when you think about it, this is almost phase one, if you want to go in that sense, where the Marvel these, Universe, players, eh? yeah, well, <laughs> these players are so young yeah. that a lot of them are going to kind of develop and grow into the program, and they may not even win, but what they're going to do is they're going to lay the groundwork going forward for Canada basketball to kind of build off of and realize that this is the way things are done. We have players in the NBA. Look at what we can do. It's just more of um, just, just creating the foundation. Mm-hmm. And I hate to sound so cliche with this kind of like coach speak, but I really truly feel like that's what Canada basketball is doing and they're just kind of viewing this as we're going to be better down the road. But right mm-hmm. now we just want to show that we can build a program and we can sustain a level of success that may not appear on the international level, but man, look at the NBA. Look at the individual players. you gotta you got to sell Canada basketball. It's We don't have the population the U.S. does and we don't have the athletes yet. Once that comes, then I think you'll start seeing Canada basketball start to get better funding, first of all. Mm-hmm. I mean, the funding this team gets is, it's okay. I don't, I, I haven't seen the numbers, but based off what you do see here, like, you know, they the do practices, right. yeah. press releases, all that stuff. They NBA do okay, facilities
2: but... they practice in. I mean, this is, this team, let me put it this way, this team gets a lot more support now than it did 10, 15 years ago. I mean, I'll just say this right now. I went to Humber College. I love Humber College. I think it's a really good sporting program for anybody that's, at that level and i think it's one of the pristine ones in the, in the country when it comes to just like college level as opposed to trying to get to the, the professional level going any higher but that was a place where canada was and still does do a lot of their uh um what do you call it do a lot of their their camps and programs especially with the with the cadet academies um, but what we're also now seeing is the Toronto Raptors involvement using their facilities. I mean, yeah. these guys have top notch NBA facilities and trainers around them now, especially the senior men's level. And that, that's not, I don't think that's something that was prevalent, you know, 10, 15, even 20, like 20 years ago, even something as recent as, as wow. 10 years ago.
3: You what know, chance. I mean, look, let's not sugarcoat it here. The facilities were not up to par. The biosteel center that they have with the Raptors is now. Yes. I mean, we've both been to Ohio State University I've been to even places down south like Alabama, University of Texas. Their facilities take a dump on what we have up here, and those mm-hmm. are just colleges. Yeah. Now, if you're a player coming down from the NBA and you're Canadian, like look at, look at a lot of the guys that are coming back up here to play. You want Andrew Wiggins. You want guys like Corey Joseph. Corey Joseph is just he's going to play no matter what. But mm-hmm. to use him as an example, these guys are used to top-notch facilities, getting treated you know, royally. Yep. I'm sure they get the same royal treatment here with the Canada basketball roster. But in terms of facilities and everything else you get – they're still kind of limited. Canada basketball has to get the funding up and get everything else to follow it, and then I think they'll become more of a powerhouse. But th- these are all baby steps that they got to take, and it's going to grow as the game is still growing in Canada. The roster will grow with it.
2: And I'm glad you brought up the coach rhetoric because we actually, I actually had a chance to pose that question to a, uh, to Jay. Um, so this this is actually a script of Jay Toronto when want to them because this was a very young roster they brought on. They've got about. Uh, to my knowledge, off the top of my head, I believe there was uh, six to seven guys that were either still in college, just a year removed from college or are still in high school on this on this extended roster that this camp this training camp roster that they have right now so uh, th- this is this is his thoughts on it when I asked him um, was this more of a developmental thing, or did they honestly believe that who they have right now, who they were able to attain is the most talented roster and I think it 's a very interesting point that he brings up in the quote because keep in mind. If they're trying to go for the Olympic berth, they had a lot. They had the pick of the litter as far as guys outside of Andrew Wiggins and Tristan Thompson. They still decided to bring a number of NCAA and high school guys onto this roster. So just here's his thoughts on that.
4: Well, I think, you know, initially our thought was that we'd bring some younger players in because uh, we were lacking depth. And uh, you know we're not gonna wear out a guy like Corey in practice and he's gonna play practice every second day just because we need him to be good in a month and he just finished a long season uh, so we decided to bring some of the younger players in to give them that experience uh, but I would say that they've surprised us uh, they've really done a good job of picking things up and showing that uh, they're not completely out of place out here with, with veteran players so it's kind of created a little bit of a a good issue for us.
3: So, uh, Chris, your thoughts?
5: <laughs>
3: it's a developmental state, in my opinion. Like, I'm going to keep hitting on that here. I mean, guys like R.J. Barrett, Dylan Brooks, Chris Boucher, Melvin Edgem, who should be in the NBA, a kid's a stud, and he's, he deserves to get a shot, Melvin Edgem.
2: He had a hell of an uh, effort at the Crown League, too, last year, he's too. He's <laughs> just a damn
3: good player, man. Yep. Um, and guy, the Pan Amiens. Yeah, guys like Dyshawn Pierre, the Scrub Brothers... If this is not a a, a developmental team, I don't, don't want to see what is. Yeah. Because in my opinion, this is the definition of a developmental team. You get these guys who are eventually one day you hope out of 10 of them, maybe two of them become faces that you can depend on in Canada basketball or even not even star players, just supplementary players you can plug and play with your stars. That's great. Mm-hmm. But the only way they're going to become that is if you start giving them minutes at a young age like this and... They get to step up when opportunities like this arise when guys don't want to play.
2: Absolutely. And you know, I even to to feed on your point, um, even when I was when he was there, like we're there doing doing the media work with him, like you could tell even just the way that he was answering questions, the way that he was talking about this team, he knows more than anybody that this is probably not gonna be a team that's talented enough to get it done. He's appreciative of who's there. He likes the younger guys that he's seeing, but as far as an Olympic berth, they have to win this tournament. They've got to go through France and Turkey to win this tournament, and that is not something I see them doing with this roster. I'll just say it right now. I don't see that happening. Even Corey Joseph would have to play out of his mind. Um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Joel Anthony would have to uh, turn back the clock.
3: Well, Joel Anthony's really the only true big man on this roster in terms of size. I mean, yeah, there's
2: no Rara Sakura. There's no... It's it's like, a lot of
3: shooters on this roster. It's a I, lot of athletes, which Tom, is okay. Thomas Scrub will
2: have to, at some point, play power forward for this team. And I, I swear <laughs> R.J. Barrett is taller than him at this point. Like, that's the kind of team they have right now. And, and, and here's the other thing. Right now, all we can really do is take jay's word for it. coach coach truano he's the we're gonna have to take his word for it because i they they don't let us watch the practices beforehand you go in you just do your media work with them so when he's telling us that these guys are fitting in and they're doing as well as you could expect well i mean that's great to hear but obviously the proof is going to be in the pudding when we go and watch these guys in their exhibition games in italy and croatia it's going to be interesting to see you know um, if, if RJ remains on this team, because even the way that he was talking in the meet, uh, when, when we were asking him questions was that he was really just here to kind of see what it was all about as opposed to, and then he'll eventually go back to the under 17 and under 18 teams. while they go and try and make their push for world titles this summer. Like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like to your point, And then you've got Dylan Brooks, another guy who had a great March madness, yeah. but at the same time, I mean. There's a huge difference between playing against 18 to 22 year olds and playing against grown men who have had years and years and years of experience playing both overseas and in the NBA. It may not be the same talent level overseas, but these guys have shown time and again that international basketball is no joke no matter where you're coming from.
3: We're kind of hoping that you're going to get a
2: Jamal Murray-like performance in the Pan Am games, right, from one of these guys? And you're not going to get that because these teams are going to be sending their best players. It's just – that's just a fact. Like, the Pan Ams, as great as it was to see
3: Canada perform well,
2: even Canada didn't send
3: their best players. No. Right? The, the thing like, is, too, is like for some of these countries like France, you don't know who you're going to get yet. There's mm-hmm. no guarantee that Nicholas Batum and those kind of guys are going to come walk through that door and play for you. So you can't really say that they're going to get their best guys yet either. So you kind of got to hope that they don't. Mm-hmm. But I feel like you look at this Canada roster, it's young, but it's athletic, and I feel like they'll just open the floor up, run, shoot a lot, kind of play a a Golden State style of play where I I hate to say that because it's just run and gun, but I feel like we've kind of just associated run and gun basketball with Golden State now. It's just kind of like the way we've just adopted it. But I feel like you're going to see that with Canada basketball. and Guys like Jason Kalise, people don't know a lot about him. Yeah. If he gets the minutes, you will. This is a guy that absolutely destroyed it at Detroit. Transferred to Oregon. Didn't have the same lights out numbers, but he's he's a guy that's a hell of a player. You can watch him overseas. Give him um, the time, he'll do it. Yeah, he's a guy that can shoot a lot. Dylan Brooks, like you were saying, this guy's a big-time player. He steps up. You may not like the way that he carries himself at times, a la the Duke game there where he shot the three and offended a lot of people, but what's wrong with playing with an edge?
2: Oh, absolutely not. And I actually completely agree with what Dylan did in that situation, but I think that's that's for another podcast, but in all honesty. like, And then <laughs> – you know, at the end of the day, it's not very often that Coach K actually gets called out on a lie, which is what it was. Yeah. So, I mean, Dylan, I don't really feel like Dylan had any any serious fault in that whole situation, to be honest.
3: Yeah, I mean, he could have handled it differently, but at the same time, it's like, it's it's basketball. I
2: felt he was pretty humble about the whole situation, to be honest, to a certain extent.
3: The game is, just, the game is rapidly evolving, yeah. and that's a part of the evolution of the game right now, that some people, generally the old school people... Can't stand, and
2: yeah. it's just it's just the way the
3: game's transcending. So mm,
2: yeah, no, you're right. I I to be perfectly honest, I think those people need to wake
3: up and realize that that style of basketball died in the '70s. Well, they're gonna because tell you they're gonna tell you that attitude and sportsmanship and all that stuff never did die. That's that's gonna be their counterargument, right? They they and they can argue that all they like, it's but at like, the end of the day, the money talks. It's so. like the whole Goose Gossage thing in baseball, where he goes, "There's a code," and ripping everybody in the whole Bautista bat flip. It's just. There's two schools of thought in sports, and you know what? That's the way it's always going to be probably. I mean, you got your old school guys, your new school guys, and it's just they're, they're going to yeah, clash yeah. all the time. No,
2: absolutely, absolutely. I think – I and you know what? I completely agree with that mentality when the money was what it was back then and the, the, the lexicon in sports culture, what it was back in a time where coaches were getting paid more than the players. And there was actually a uh, hierarchy both in the sports culture and also in the business side of things that was in sync with each other. But now things have changed a little bit, right? So to your point, yeah, I think things have definitely changed. But I also think that those people that are going to be old school about it, um, you know, in the words, hey, we had a recent passing of a great man in Muhammad Ali. And I'd like to quote him on this when I say, if a man who's still thinking the same way when he's 25 is still thinking the same way when he's 50, then he's wasted 25 years of his life.
3: Yeah, ain't that the truth.
2: So, but now to our main event, because this one was a really proud one for me personally. I mean, this... I. I'll be honest with you, Chris, I went in there with low, uh, high hopes and low expectations for this. I was lucky enough that, you know, it was a day where everything was a lot more relaxed as far as uh, media coverage went for this event. So I actually had the opportunity to not only sit down and talk to Corey Joseph, I actually got a chance to talk to him for an extended period of time. Here it is. This is our interview with uh, Corey Joseph of the Toronto Raptors and of Team Canada. All right, here in the TOT cast, we have the uh, absolute pleasure of being with uh, Toronto Raptors, Point Guard, Team Canada Point Guard, Corey Joseph. Corey, thank you for taking a few minutes with us. Uh, thank you. And uh, just uh, wanted to ask you a couple of questions real quickly. Um, talk to me a little bit about you've been able to be home now for a year, mostly, quote-unquote, because you spent a lot of time on the road, specifically in Texas, for most of your career. As far back as about 15, 16 years old. Um, what kind of effect in being home for this entire season and just, you know, coming back to your city, has that had on your game and how you've kind of progressed? Because it feels like you went away, you learned a lot of things, and now you're trying to kind of bring it home for Toronto. So talk to me about that experience this year. Uh,
5: it's been great, you know. Outside of basketball has been you know, my favorite part, you know, just being in the community, being in this somewhere where I'm comfortable. You know, where, I, where I've where i lived for so many years, uh, uh, half of my life, and then, you know, so. You know, just being in the community, being seeing familiar faces, uh, you know, being able to, you know, uh, uh, well, see the multicultural. I mean, I'm not saying it wasn't, you know, great the community in the other places I've lived because it was, but just familiar. You know, I'm just familiar with, with Toronto, and you know, uh, so just just that besides the basketball court, and obviously the basketball court, you know, how too because. You know we had a great year so that was good uh got to continue to build of course but you know so clean pay being to play basketball in front of my family my friends on a you know on a consistent basis is something special to me and uh it's just basically the city the city is you know a great city you know if one of the tops if not the top you know north america i feel like mm-hmm. and uh, uh it's amazing it's amazing to be home and um now speaking of top in North America,
4: <laughs> I. Uh,
2: but I do wanna. I also wanna ask you. I mean, um, you you being home now, or do you see yourself at all during uh, during the off season, getting an opportunity to go out and check any of the AAU tournaments going on around here, or getting a chance to like, to check out the Nike Crown League or anything of that nature while you got the time off?
5: Well, I checked it out last year. Yeah. So if I if I you know, if I had the What were your thoughts on
2: that? What did What did you see?
5: No, I like the tournament. It's a yeah. lot, It's a great tournament. The more tournaments we can have, uh, you know, more leagues, you know, where people can you know play and work on their games and get better. It's, it's, I'm all for it. You know, it's a great tournament. Uh, I went and checked it out last year, a couple of the tournaments, and you know, if I get opportunity again, I will. I will again.
2: How? Okay. Serious question though. You've been away for almost ten years, off and on. How great is it to come home and know you can get good Caribbean food whenever you want?
5: Yeah, <laughs> it's amazing. It's amazing. Actually, I had a Caribbean spot in San Antonio that I always used to go really? to. Yeah. What would you compare it to up here in Toronto? I uh, know it was good. Yeah? It was good. Yeah. It was. It was a Jamaican spot they actually. Uh, that uh, two of them. Met, but uh, they they uh, had a. They came from Jamaica. <laughs> the, the family. They they held and they owed, owned the restaurant and it was good. But uh, you know, obviously. There's many, many of them over here, and uh, you know I'm a Caribbean guy myself. You know, my 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 dad and my my grandparents from Trinidad, so whenever i 'm able to get it def- that 's my favorite food absolutely i mean
2: and um even with, with that being said i mean how how surprised do some of the players get or is or because there 's um, a lot of like Amer- a lot of Americans down south they have a certain perception of Canada, but when they come to Toronto, I can imagine that you might have had those conversations one time or another with teammates where they 're kind of asking you we're curious about where you 're from and right. you know even things of that nature i mean what what 's the biggest surprise that most Americans have, especially in the basketball circuit
5: about Toronto when you tell them like what we you- yeah. well now you you know, they understand what Toronto is about. Yeah. They love it. You know, they love it now. But when I first got there, basketball-wise, and I told them Toronto, they kind of look at you with a puzzled face like, basketball? you First of all, you're playing basketball? You're from Toronto? Canada? <laughs> Aren't you supposed to be playing hockey? You know? <laughs> yep, that was the first reaction when I first got there. I about got about 10 baseball years baseball or so. Baseball. Yeah. <laughs> about 10 years or so. But now now it's, it's understood.
2: Mm-hmm. So... On this team, you've had um, a lot more is going to be expected of you than compared to when you're playing in the NBA. So with that in mind, when you're coming into a camp like this, do you feel there's more added pressure on yourself, or are you actually a little bit more relaxed given the fact that, you know, these are some guys that you've grown up playing with, but uh, at, even with the fact that there is more
4: expected of you?
5: Uh, no pressure. Just go in, play hard like I always do, and just, you know, let the result speak for itself. Uh, and I'm not, I'm, I'm not a guy to put too much pressure on myself. You know, I'm gonna do the things to, you know, get ready. I'm gonna work hard and, you know, do the things to get ready for the, you know, the tournament and uh, just go out there and play
2: hard. Any thoughts lingering about what happened last uh, tournament? Because obviously it was a heartbreaker against Venezuela. But, you know, given what you've been able to accomplish this season with the Raptors, um, do you think? You, is there any else? Anything else you want to try and instill on these guys going in through this camp, or is there anything that's still kind of lingering in your head? Or, I mean, what are your thoughts on that?
5: Well, yeah, I was thinking about, you know. I, I mean, I'd be lying to you guys if, you, if I didn't tell you I would think about last year, you know, sometimes still, like, you know, being able to have the opportunity to just win one more game and, you know, kind of blow it, you know, so sometimes you think about that, but at the same time, you know, you're stuck in between that last year's last year, you know, you have another opportunity, which is, you know, you got to be thankful for you're ahead of us, and we just got to go into this tournament and win, uh, so I don't try to focus too much on it, but I'll be lying to you if I didn't say I didn't thought about it a couple times.
2: Last couple questions now, moving on to this tournament. I mean, everything that you guys were able to accomplish with the Toronto Raptors, uh, the season that you have, I mean, what was what was the biggest, when, when was the moment for you when you realized, okay, this team, like this team has a chance to make a serious impact in the league this year? What was your kind of aha moment, or was it when you had a little bit of time to yourself in the airplane
5: going home wow, somewhere, man. or... We've always thought that from, you know, our goals from day one of training camp was, you know, to definitely do is, was do everything leading up to the playoffs to be able to be in, you know, a great position. You know, I felt like we did that. We were second in the East. So we've always thought, you know, we were a contender for, you know, the championship. So that's the way we acted. That's the way we carried ourselves, you know, and that's the way we we, we thought. So. That's what we took on throughout the season. We were able to finish second, put us in a good position uh, to go far. We went pretty far, but obviously we didn't reach our goal, which we still have, you know, areas to improve and you know to build on. But we're definitely going to keep doing that individually over the summer. When we get back together, we're going to do it as a team and try again. Mm-hmm. Last question, Corey. Um, What is your favorite part about coming back
2: and playing for Team Canada with the uh, Maple Leaf on your chest? I know you kind of do it all year round now, but (laughs) like with this specific program and when you're here, what's what's your favorite part about it?
5: Just uh, just the the people, the people that you know. Like I said, the people I grew up with. uh, You know, all the you know, being able to you know bond with with the players again. Uh, Obviously, the coaches, the staff. Uh, just the camaraderie that we you know that we that we build and that we have,
2: Corey. Thank you very much for joining. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. And there you have it: uh, the Toronto Raptors and Team Canada's very own Corey Joseph uh, was nice enough to give us a few minutes here on the TOT Cast. And um, Chris, I you know I I, I I shared you this little story off air, but I think it's a it's a true testament to his character. Um, last year during these uh, these camps leading up to uh canada's run at the olympic qualifiers when cory first came into the uh the the media scrum where we were going to be asking him all the uh all the questions uh first thing he did nice and loose saying hello to everybody very polite uh even cracking a joke beforehand which was i think was like especially for a lot of younger people in the media that were kind of a little bit nervous doing this uh you you know saying saying some joke like it was his birthday and he went it's like next time you guys gotta make sure you bring some champagne for me and it was just he's always had that kind of light attitude towards things especially involving the media but uh, even to this year's point when when uh Corey came up to do the uh, the uh the the scrums uh he came up and he shook the hand of every single person in the circle about to ask him questions, literally introducing himself to every single person. Everyone knew who he already was, but he came up, looked everybody eye, shook their hands before beginning into the uh, getting into the actual media scrums. And let me tell you, I've been in a few. I've been in enough now to know I have never seen anyone else do that. I have actually never seen anyone else, especially a player. I mean, he's an NBA player, not NBA veteran. You can even make the argument. And for a guy to come up and have that kind of maturity to just, even just be polite enough to do that with people, I've really um, – it really just kind of set the tone for that whole experience and you know once again him you know coming to the side and giving in a few minutes it was it, it was a very it was a very special moment to be able to kind of share that with him so i appreciate him coming on and sharing his thoughts about this team so yeah it
3: was it was it was great you're not going to plug your favorite caribbean restaurant ah, ah. i mean you guys got all into the caribbean food there you're not going to plug you you plug it on episodes where we don't even talk about caribbean food so go on that's true. Plug your favorite spot. Freddy's Kitchen at <laughs> 5 and 10, baby, in what? Mississauga. So, Corey, if
2: you're ever listening to this, you got to check out Freddy's Kitchen. You ever find yourself out in the West End in Mississauga? Maybe you're like chilling with Party Next Door or whoever might be out here or Anthony Bennett at Anco. It, it doesn't matter. But at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, or maybe visiting your homeboy Tristan Thompson when he's at home in Brampton,
3: you got to come over to Freddy's Kitchen, 5 and 10. There's also a second one that you like to plug when we had. Uh... Natey J on the air with us when he was a member of the Argos, but now he's gone to Edmonton. But he'll be back, you know. He's from here. Absolutely. There's another spot you two, well, the three of us all love, that you haven't plugged yet either. You were trying to get sponsorship for a while, and, you know. <laughs> Go on. You can plug that one, too. Sunrise. Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> Sunrise. <laughs> They're going to be pissed when you walk in
2: there. It's okay, though. Sunrise knows I love them because they already have Nate's backing. They have the backing of a professional athlete, and then they have the backing of a uh, – of a major editor of a uh, of a major site in the fan and network and Crystal Krainitz. Listen so to they, you,
3: buddy. Just show compliments.
2: They don't need me. That Freddy's Kitchen needs my love. They need my support. Okay? Sunrise is good. Sunrise is a chain. Let's remember that. Sunrise has multiple locations across the city. Freddy's Kitchen is Freddy's Kitchen. It's literally Freddy's Kitchen. <laughs> All right? So that I will leave the Sunrise love for you guys. Shout out to Sunrise. They're still a fun fun bunch, and uh, I will never turn away a good uh, curry goat and white rice from uh, either Sunrise or Freddie's Kitchen.
3: I'll never turn it away, period. <laughs> <laughs> well said. little mango carrot juice to go with it. <laughs> oh go. my god, of course, any day of the week. All Caribbean food aside, though, I mean, Corey Joseph does sound like a very well put together man in terms of the way he handles the media, the way he's kind of unwillingly and... Voluntarily taking on this role as a Canadian ambassador for basketball, right? Absolutely. He's kind of taking on what Steve Nash was doing, what Rowan Barrett was doing, and now Corey Joseph is doing. Mm-hmm. Nobody asked him to do it. He's just gone on and done it himself. And I think that alone tells you the kind of character this young man has. And it's it's impressive. Mm-hmm. I think what's even more impressive is the fact that
2: you know, you get a lot of those guys, especially this generation, who spent so much time in the States. You can tell even like the their their a little bit of their demeanor, a little bit of how they carry themselves, they've been a little bit Americanized and even just kind of like that sense of okay well, I want to play for my country, but you know I'm really only here like one, two, three months out of the year and you know, to see a guy who very easily could have done that. And here's the thing. It's no shot at them whatsoever. I, I I just understand that, you know, especially at a young age where you're seeing like everything's bigger and better as far as, to your point, the facilities, the attitude towards the game, how, you know, they get treated down there compared to up in Canada. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a major difference. So when you have a guy like Corey Joseph who literally spent 10 years away from Canada, pretty much spending half of his growing years in Texas… And then to come back and be so willing to jump right back into where he left off as far as uh, the Canadian program goes. And really never leaving in the first place, though, to be honest. I know he's came back and done the programs. And I would even say, Chris, he might be the next Captain Canada for this this Canadian team in the sport of basketball.
3: (laughs) I feel like he is. And the scary part about all that is the respect level these guys have for him and not just the players that he plays with, his peers. But... The executives, the people that actually make this roster and run the organization, what they have as well. Because when you put this entire roster together, when everybody's present, Corey Joseph isn't a star of this team. He knows that. Nope. He's just a fantastic role player and a glue guy that holds everything together. And for him to take it a step further and kind of take a load off young guys like Andrew Wiggins, like the R.J. Barrett's in the future, and to kind of just go, you guys play ball, you guys do your thing. I got all this. It just speaks volumes about him, and I, I could— go on all day about it but it just really tells you how much he understands his role and how many players like that on your team makes a world of a difference absolutely because he gets it he just yeah. flat out gets it and, and the value of that is man it's crazy it just it helps out so much absolutely and I think that
2: with that being said I'm hoping that moving forward the narrative can try and push a little bit more because there's going to be a few more uh, media days with this team there's going to be uh, you know the training camp literally just started yesterday. So, you know, this, I hope that the narrative, especially from, from media is going to be more now about eventually going to be more about who's there instead of who isn't, because we're looking at a, to your point, a fine young man who has never hesitated to put on the Jersey. We've got some interesting young players in Dylan Brooks and RJ Barrett specifically that have, uh, that have definitely caught the eye of a lot of people down South and should eventually catch people's eyes up here. Uh, if not already. Um outside of just the you know, the basketball circles, because the basketball circles follow everything up here.
3: Well, I mean you you talk to scouts, you talk to people in and around the NBA and even the D League. Melvin Edgem is a guy that is on the tip of everybody's tongue. mm mm-hmm. He'll be somebody that you'll see probably lighted up during these qualifications here and earn himself a shot at, at least a summer league invite. Yep. And then probably another training camp invite and hopefully crack an NBA roster. But he's somebody who's ready to go and I feel like he's gonna kinda carry Team Canada.
2: Mm-hmm. And I just want to say one last thing to anyone who might be asking about, well, as bad as he's fallen off, where's Anthony Bennett? Well, I've got the answer for you. Right now, he's trying to try out for a bunch of different NBA teams to get on summer league teams, so that's why he's not a here. Well, he's, he's trying.
3: He's trying out with the Knicks.
2: He's trying out with the Knicks. He's he also has closing uh, out with the Knicks. On the he's game. got he's got two other uh, tryouts lined up at this yeah. time. So The that's, Knicks
3: is like the one that's getting close to a deal here. Yeah.
2: So, and that's great, and I, I hope he's able to find that team. And here's the thing: nothing's been set in stone. And just so people know, I did get an opportunity as I was interviewing Corey, a guy who was not on the list of people invited to this camp, but just walked straight by us to the to the to the cycling machine, and that was Kelly Olenek. So maybe he'll play. Yeah, honestly, and they've they've hinted at this even off the mic. Uh, like we've they've
3: hinted at there might be guys that are, you know. That, that might still be coming, so well, I you never know. I think the thing with a guy like Kelly is he's rehabbing from a shoulder injury, right? Yes. If that rehabs that to the point where he feels like he can play and he wants to treat this qualification as kind of a rehab stint, then yeah, you'll see him in limited minutes in certain situations where it's high leverage and benefits him. But aside from that, I think you can cross a guy like him off unless his shoulder heals. Yeah. But guys like Anthony Bennett and stuff, like I don't get why he's not playing. I get you're trying to try out for teams right now. But I feel like he's at the point where he can kind of skip camp, show up, and just help help Canada win. Guys like Andrew Nicholson, I, I get it. He's a free agent. He's got too much to lose if he gets hurt here. Yes. But a guy like Bennett, man, like... He's got nothing to lose. Dude, your is on well this... Too. It's, yeah, it's been on a downward spiral of his yeah. career. I mean, yeah. sure, he plays well in these games, but anything he can get as a stock boost, mm-hmm. take it. So. And that's the point, right? Like, he's played well in these international
2: competitions... And I don't know. He just he, he just plays differently when he's got the Canadian jersey on. I I find that I don't know if it's the system. I don't know if it's just his attitude because he's a little bit more comfortable and the and the and the lights aren't as bright as the NBA in these international competitions. We I don't know. I don't think you like I, none I, of us really know what it I hate is to be that guy.
3: But I think they're playing lesser competition. Yeah, and these are the, no, no that's that a, he can he can play it. against and it compete. Yep. I'd imagine if they played a higher level team let's say, like a Team USA or even where the stakes were a bit higher and they played like a Spain, we'd see the same thing. Mm -hmm. We'd see the same Anthony Bennett that kind of played himself out of a job in Toronto, played himself off the Rapper's on 5 roster, quite frankly brought up all these question marks about character, work ethic, how much does he love basketball, all these things that came up and made a lot of people very frustrated with him. I think you would see those again. And Mm -hmm. he's still really young. He can easily overcome all these, but for the time being – there's still a lot of question marks around Anthony Bennett, and the only way he's going to get better, it's like it's like they always say about artists back in the day, like Michelangelo's and stuff. They didn't get great because they were born great painters. They got great because they painted a lot. Anthony Bennett's only going to get better at basketball if he plays a lot. And I'm not talking going to the gym and just shooting jumpers and working on their trainer. He's got to play. He's got to yep. play somewhere. He hasn't played much.
2: Yep, and trying out in front of scouts and all that, like – nothing's nothing's going to change nothing's going to compare it to actual competition
3: yeah especially at a high level where guys are going to come at you full speed Mm -hmm. can't emulate full speed or game speed Mm -hmm. stuff yep
2: well and i'm i'm looking forward to what's going to be happening for the rest of this week so we'll uh we'll definitely keep everyone posted on that um but as far as this uh as far as you know between a a very entertaining finals game and uh getting a chance to have Corey joe on this uh on this episode of the tot cast i think it's been uh uh, you know, considering that we're talking, we didn't even have to really drop anything on the Toronto Raptors or for this episode. I think we did all right today. <laughs> That'll come, <laughs> you That'll know. Come. Oh, there'll be there'll be plenty of time for that. But yeah, you know, this
3: is a nice little break from the norm, Chris. This is a little. It is, but you of know box. what? The Raptor storylines—they'll come back quicker than you know the progression <laughs> of the Game of Thrones storyline. So yeah, we won't take as long. <laughs> <that much.
2: laughs> pro- there will be dragons, ladies and gentlemen, yeah, or maybe. in this case, Raptors. Or at least winter will come. Something. Yeah. Hear <laughs> winter's coming since what 2011? Oh God! No kidding. I was right in the first episode. You know what? We
3: should do like a Game of Thrones off-season preview, and not just with the Raptors. Some other things. I think that'd be fun. if We could get that to work out. I,
2: I think we could. I mean the house the house of the wolves is uh, <laughs> certainly starting to rise. The North has remembered clearly. Yeah. I, I
3: mean, like, Mar who does this with us is one of the biggest Game of Thrones yeah. guys. I know. Yeah. So I'm sure he can put some very creative things together. So I, I think that might be something we'll do. Going that'd to. be a lot of fun.
2: And of course, we, it'd always be a fun time if we can somehow get Nate over Skype on a day off, right? I think that'd be pretty fun. Also get a little update around the league in the CFL.
3: Yeah. I talked to him almost daily. So, uh, he said he's down to come back on whenever. Love so it. Whenever he's got some time, he'll come on. So stay there's, tuned, folks. <laughs> there's a lot of Mississauga players out there, so they'll be coming on and they'll talk with us and all that. It'll be a good time.
2: I'm looking forward to it. So on behalf of myself, uh, if you want to reach Chris O'Kranitz, reach him on Twitter, at Chris O'Kranitz. Uh, if you've got questions for the show, comments, um, always be sure to leave a rating, a little, you know, review. We love that. Always, any kind of support has always been appreciated. Uh, if you want to also reach out to the show directly, hit us up, at Tip on Twitter. Tower on Twitter. Always, uh, You can visit the Facebook page as well for whatever upcoming news and stories we have going on in the site. And also for the TOT cast itself. Um, and any any of that other stuff, uh, you can also, at the end of the day, reach me personally on Twitter, at Greco 416 And uh, I just hope everyone has a great rest of their day. And uh, go Canada, go Raptors, and uh, go all of Toronto, really. Yeah.